All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Can you see it? Did you know? Chapman, the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice, at arm's length. To the line, Hughes, scores! You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in at Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Burrow steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Use promo code HockeySeason, capital H, capital S, all one word, and that will get you $5 off your order at Zephyr Epic. Zephyr Epic has got you covered for all of your trading card needs, whether that be the Yu-Gi-Oh cards, the Pokemon cards, like my co-host over here, the hockey cards, the basketball cards, whatever it is, Zephyr Epic has got you covered. So go check them out. 
Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. They've also got a retail location in Surrey. So be sure to use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, at ZephyrEpic.com. The best part about Zephyr Epic, in our opinion, is that they ship free anywhere in Canada on also, any order over $50. Favor jumped the gun a bit there. No. From... Well, first I got to mention because oh, I no. just saw this. They got the Mosaic Football Blaster Boxes. These are those ones that are like you could pull some cards in these things that are like ten grand. Okay, they just got the drop there on the, on ZephyrEpic.com. If you're a football fan at all, go in there. They got a picture of Russell Wilson on the cover of the box, so they're probably going to need to change that uh, real quick as he is now a Denver Bronco. But Zephyr Epic delivers. Listen to this one. This is a good one here. From, I'm back in the Newfoundland uh, cities. I found, Newfoundland's got some great cities. Newfoundland's a gold mine. Oh, it, it, it's an absolute gold mine. I, I did a lot of Ontario and Quebec, and now Newfoundland is just given to me. All right. From Williams Lake to Woman Cove. Was it Williams Lake in BC? Williams Lake in BC, yeah. Oh, okay. Woman Cove in Newfoundland. Oh, I thought you were talking about Williams Lake, Newfoundland. I'm like, what are you talking about? No, no. Okay. Woman Cove. Woman Cove. How do you name that? Like, how do, you, how, do how does the name of Woman Cove come up? Huh. I would love to know. I, it's I, yeah, I'd love to. Maybe I got to find the backstory of that. That's a that's an interesting. How one. about while I talk about DoorDash, you try and find the backstory of Woman Cove and how Woman Cove got its name. I can try and do that. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like some sort of like fever dream that somebody had, and they're like, you know what? We're gonna call this place Woman Cove because I had a dream. Anyways, okay. DoorDash. We're also hey, delivered to you. By the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. Ding dong. <laughs> Use promo code CONVODD capital well, You got me C, looking capital. up Newfoundland oh, cities whatever. now. You should instinctively, when you hear DoorDash, you should instinctively say ding dong. The The Wikipedia page for Women, Women Cove is like 25 words. There's not much information here at all, but it's in it. I bet it's a beautiful spot. It looks like it's in a beautiful area. It is like very, uh, very south in, what is it? Newfoundland and Labrador. One's the, the Labrador is the island, right? Newfoundland's like the big yes. part of the land. So this yes. is in Labrador then. Okay. Why aren't they their own province? Never mind. Okay, keep going. Well, that's a great question. That's a great point. Maybe, you know what? One time- like grade four uh, yeah. geography right there. <laughs> one day we'll have a fourth grader on the show as our guest and he'll tell us why. Okay. DoorDash. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word. That will get you 25% off and free delivery Ding dong. on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is David Quadrelli. I am joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Got a little bit off the rails here to start the show as you continue to look up Women's Cove's uh, backstory. But there's one thing that I actually wanted to start right off the hop with Chris and you brought this up that it was a good thing to kind of talk about because it's not quite hockey talk but it's still about your Vancouver Canucks so I don't know if you've seen it yet folks the folks listening to this I wrote a story very recently about the doors and wheels debate right now the internet is debating if there are more doors or wheels on the planet earth right now I'm seeing a lot more love for wheels but there's really no way to verify which is the correct answer. So you have people on both sides just completely, you know, believing exactly what they think already. And they're just, you know, they're finding reasons to, you know, prove their bias. And it was really interesting because I asked a bunch of Canucks players about it. And the story's up. You asked Jack Rathbone and Tristan Nielsen out in Abbotsford for me. So the final tally that I got, and also I tweeted this out, but... I did not find one person in the whole process of writing this story 
that was more team wheels than Brennan Bachelor. Like Brennan Bachelor, Sports at six fifty, play by play radio. He was so T- adamant. Hey, TikTok, TikTok star. star. Put some respect on the man's Sorry, name. Of course. TikTok star Brandon Bachelor was so adamant, so adamant that it was wheels. And he, like we were in the media room and I would be like talking with someone about this and he would just start talking about it to me. And he like he was explaining to me. He's like, you know, I pulled out my dishwasher today. He's like, and there's wheels on it. So because he went home the next day, he went home when I brought it up, counted his wheels and everything. And he was so adamant it was wheels. You know, he figured it out. He did the math. He put in the work. And then he came back the next day and he was telling me more about how it's wheels. And I got to say, I was team wheels. And then I went to doors. And now after hearing everything that I've heard from everybody that I've talked to about it. Brennan Bachelor mostly. Uh, uh, yeah. Like Batch brought up some really good arguments. And, and I think perhaps the biggest one of all, Lego is the biggest tire manufacturer in the world. You know what else? Here's what else. I got another one for you. I just remember this. You just gloss over my cool Lego fact. No, I have to add to your Lego fact. Hot Wheels, there are 6 billion Hot Wheels in the world. What? 6 billion Hot Wheels? That's 4 times 6? 24 billion wheels right there. I must have like... Hot Wheels is... Yeah. Uh, that, I saw that the other day on Twitter. I said, you know, it's done. That's... The conversation's over. Because Hot Wheels, like... I know like all the regular, the little Hot Wheels don't have doors. Maybe some of like the bigger yeah, yeah, Hot yeah, Wheel yeah, models yeah. maybe do. But... A massive amount of Hot Wheels just have the wheels. They may not open, and but they do the, still have doors. The name still... I don't know. I don't think those so. Are, those are very clear. If you pointed at the model and said, what is that? You wouldn't make something up. You'd say that's a door. So there's two doors on every Hot Wheels. <sighs> and sometimes four. I don't think so. I think I, the door has to be able to... If, no, you're good, if people are going to count lockers and cabinets as doors, then they have to actually work as a door. You can't take the Hot Wheel doors. I don't know about that, man. Well, then, because then, okay, well, then this is, opens up a it's, wild it's possibility. It's quite clearly a door. E- everything in it, okay, then everything in, like, a painting or a picture, does that count? Because that's not a, an active door, but it's a picture of a door. That's a really good point. So, I don't, I think it's got to be a, a working door okay. or working wheel, or at least was, like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm team wheels 100%. I want to share a story, because it's so funny. I don't know, I'll play the audio, it's pretty low Hold quality on. Before, I, so a lot of people have obviously seen the the clip going around because everyone's played it was on tsn last night jay on had it on his instagram and and a lot of people have picked up the story of yours about this was that batch yelling in the background because i think because you because <laughs> no. you asked the question and somebody's like blah, blah, blah. I, I don't even know exactly Coos. what they, so Coos, Coos. Oh, of course it's Coos. Ben but Coos I thought, say, well it's got to be doors right and i was like Coos, don't don't answer for bruce like, okay. i don't want i, I don't want these was, thoughts polluting bruce's mind i thought it might be batch like when he's like when boudreaux's like don't probably wheel like i think because Boudreaux said wheels, right? In Boudreaux the did say wheels. And ba- your, what was Batch's reaction? Was he fired up in the corner of the <laughs> press room? came up to me right after and started telling me more about how it was wheels. Right after, <laughs> which was so funny. But I think I'll, I'll play the clip. I think you know most people have seen it by now, but I will still play it because I think it's I think it's so funny because Bruce literally goes from, oh, I, I haven't got a clue to actually I counted the doors. Here's why <laughs> it's wheels. I'll play it. Bait on the internet right now, if there's more wheels or doors in the world, what do you think? No, I don't have a clue. Uh, I counted the doors the last couple of weeks, and it seems to me that wheels are more. All I want to know, Chris, is what doors was Boudreaux counting? And to answer the question, like I, I think you can see it in the video, but he kind of motions to the building around him to make it clear that he's talking about Rogers Arena. So, you know, NHL coaches spend a lot of time at the rink, right? Like Bruce talks about how 
you know, he gets to the rink at like 7 a.m. for an 11 a.m. practice or whatever. And Bruce is doing a lot of prep. Like NHL coaches do a lot of work. So are we are we thinking there might have been a day where he just had some downtime? I was like, you know what I'm going to do? Count the doors. Yeah, but you know what the funniest thing is? Like maybe if you asked him that question and then like followed up a week later. But the fact that like uh, maybe he was aware of the online <laughs> debate. But like what if he wasn't <laughs> just like out of nowhere? He's like, you know, count all the doors today. I'm believing you that that's that? exactly what happened. That's unreal. Because, you know, he was he was not blown away. But, you know, he said holy expletive to start. The quest to start his answer, yeah, like, because I don't think he heard it before. That's why no, I think he was, he was actually he was counting like, doors. What the heck did I just get asked? And yeah, it was it was very funny. I'm I'm gonna try and find the other clips because like I think the best explanation was Luke Shen because I was talking to Luke Shen just outside the uh, locker room or whatever, and basically the way I was trying to preface this question was to say like, hey, just so you know, like this is a weird question that's going on. It's a bit of a loaded question, and I said this, and then. You know, I'm trying to explain it, but Luke Shen like cuts me off and says doors emphatically, like mm. without missing a beat. I'm going to play the clip. You in a press conference? It's just something going around the internet right now. Is there more wheels or doors in the world? It's a very loaded doors. question. Doors. doors. That was quick. I'm team doors too. Yeah. Do you care to expand on that answer? What are you, Vic? Doors. Okay. Yeah. Expand on that answer. <laughs> well, just think of like you're in a in like an office tower. How many doors would be in a 54 office tower? Or if you're in a um, anywhere, like any, any sort of building or house. Like think of think of the amount of residential houses with twenty five doors in them. Absolutely, that's literally all I need. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> so Luke Shen, good guy. Everybody knew that, but it was very funny, and you kind of get to see how the sausage is made there because I kind of asked the Canucks PR person, Vic. She's great. Uh, she's on Team Doors as well, and I mm. was as well when uh, at the time of this recording. But then Brendan Bachelor got to me. It was very funny because I'll play the, we'll wrap it up here. We'll wrap it up, but I'm going to play the Brock clip because me explaining it to Brock was very funny because I asked him, he answered, and then I was like, expand. He's like, I don't understand the question. (laughs) Really quick. um, Are there more wheels or doors in the world? Shen said doors. Bruce said wheels. Uh, Wheels. Okay. Is that it? Can you expand on it? No, I don't even know what you're asking. If there's more wheels or doors in the world. What do you mean? Just straight up that. It's up to interpretation. And it's uh, it's the thing Probably. going around on the internet right now. Probably. Oh, boy. That's a good question. Probably. Actually, I'm going to go doors. Doors? Yeah. Any reason for that? I see like 40 doors right in front of my face. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. Brock Bester saw 40 doors right in front of his face. And his odd team doors. If if Brock Besser would have been at a buffet and there was like a bunch of grapes, he would have told you there's more grapes in the world than there is doors. Which actually, you know what? There might be. But wow. Okay, we're throwing in the third factor. No, I'm that was a bad. No, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll wrap up the wheels and doors talk there. But uh, I wow, thought I'd that show Brock clip is so good, <laughs> right? Yeah, I thought I'd show uh, how the sausage got made on that story because it was a lot of fun. And like like I said, like Brandon Sutter. He gave me a quote for the story, which was so funny because, like, he's in the press box a lot. And, you know, we talked to him a lot, um, you know, off the record. And I I'd actually never, like, really talked to Brandon Sutter myself. So I just walked up to him. I said, hey, Brandon, uh, my name's Quads. I was here last year. I didn't see you much because of the, the pandemic and everything. But, uh, 
yeah, wanted to get your opinion on this. And I even said, I was like, you know, I know you're trying to lay low because you're injured. So if you don't want to be quoted on it, that's fine. And then he answered the question. He's like, and you can quote me on that because he was so <laughs> sure about his answer, which was very funny. So thanks to Brandon Sutter and everybody else uh, who spoke to that story because that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was excellent. Uh Caught some fire, that's for sure. Good yeah. stuff. All right. All right. We've got some hockey to talk about, Chris. The Vancouver Canucks lose one to nothing to how, the Detroit how long was that Red there? Wings. That little we per- talked about for 15 minutes. 15. Oh, man. I tell you what. Justin is going to be pissed. Whatever. On we, the reviews. We were both at this game, Chris. You were right behind Thatcher Demko for two of the three periods. One nothing loss. Incorrect. For one of the... One of the three I tried periods. to make it seem like you actually like watched the game. And I did. I, was, well, I got to see the Canucks shoot twice. Five rows back. Yeah. How, how many shots did they get through? Not many. Not many. Well, Not many quality 40, chances. 44 or something. I know. And that's the thing is I was talking about this in the post game report was the shot totals were deceptive in that one. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and you asked Bruce about it. You asked Tanner Pearson about it uh, post game and Tanner Pearson called it a track meet. He said, we can't get into a track meet in the morning skate. Bruce said, we can't afford to get in a track meet with these guys. These guys are similar to New Jersey and post game. Bruce Boudreaux said that this was the worst start that he thinks the Canucks have had. And he even stopped himself and said, and that includes the games where we gave up five goals in the first like 10 minutes or whatever it was, those games, right? So this was a bad game by the Canucks and it was a hiccup. I think that's the best way to describe it because you're on a playoff chase. According to Money Puck, the Canucks entered last night's game with 22% odds to make the playoffs. That dropped down to 9% after the loss. That's not very good, Chris. Not at all. I mean, this is the one you you look at this whole homestand and there's a couple games here where you were thinking like this. These are must wins. Uh, And it was New Jersey and it was Detroit. And, you know, Buffalo is like it's back to back. So that's another conversation, which I think we'll have to have a conversation about later on this episode. But this was one where you had to have and to see it play out the way that it did. Like you have to look at just execution for the Canucks, right? Like they they had a lot of uh, outside shots. Nothing really it didn't feel like anything dangerous. I don't think they had a high danger chance in the whole third period, which in like watching this Canucks team play in the third period of late, like you have to give them credit. They they've played X like they've, they've been one of the better teams in the NHL yeah, since Boudreaux's taken over, but hiccups like this, they can happen in a season, but they can't happen in this season where you're making a push for the playoffs. If that's what your ultimate goal is. And that's what you're really trying to make happen. Things like that can't happen against a team like Detroit. And this all kind of pertains to the bigger picture that we're going to talk about very shortly, and that's the trade deadline, Chris, because when Jim Rutherford came in in December, it kind of looked like, actually, I guess January, whatever it was, it kind of looked like that, well, the Canucks are going to be sellers. Trader Jim's going to come in. He's going to uproot this team. He came in and he talked immediately about how this team isn't good enough and how they're not fast enough and they need to change this, this, and this. And there hasn't been any changes up to this point. With the trade deadline looming, The rumors on JT Miller and Brock Besser, the two big names, obviously, have cooled off considerably. One name that we're starting to hear a lot more, especially in recent days, is Connor Garland. And we're going to talk about him shortly, but there is one trade that does affect the Canucks' plans. Because one team that was linked to Tyler Mott, who really, we kind of viewed as the only player the Canucks really had to make a decision on because he's their only pending UFA that's a a tradable asset, right? So we look at Tyler Mott, And the Tampa Bay Lightning were a team that really came to the forefront as suitors for Mott. They really like Mott. If they were going to make a trade, it seemed like that was going to be 
who it was with. If, if they were going to trade Mott, it was going to be to Tampa Bay. And they just got a chance to see him live the other day. He played a really good game, I thought, too, against the Lightning as well. So, yeah, bring up the trade here. Yeah, exactly. And Brandon Hagel uh, from the Chicago Blackhawks just got traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning. So you wonder how much that affects the Lightning's desire to go out and get Tyler Mott. I still think that all of the buy, like the big buyers, like, you know, Calgary, I don't know if Calgary's done. I really think that, like, I think they're going all in because when you have a goaltender that good and now you're starting to build this roster together, I, I think there's still a chance for Calgary. I think Colorado's still in on it. We've heard that Toronto's name has come up a few times. I, I do think that there is interest around the league still for Tyler Mott, and I think he he's still the guy that I think is going and, to get moved. And the thing that is the biggest factor here and chris I, have you seen the trade yet have you seen anything about it or is this news to you as we're recording no the Hagel just came so, okay so sorry there. before you look do you do you know much about brent Hagel? you know how many points he has that sort of thing sure he's basically barkley goudreau yeah coleman okay what do you think <laughs> the lightning gave up for brandon Hagel? um man uh like could it be a first it could be a first Okay. <laughs> Would you believe me if I told you it was multiple first round picks? No. <laughs> it is. It is multiple first round picks according really? to Daily Faceoffs Frank Saravalli. Again, folks, we record on Friday. We're recording this at Friday, eleven thirty two AM. If that's setting the market for Tyler Mott, I'm sorry. This talk that oh well the Canucks don't want to move Mott, but if it's a second round pick, they're gonna pull the trigger. I'm sorry, but if you throw Tyler Mott's name out there and you point to this Hagel deal and you say, we want a high second-round pick, that is absolutely a fair price. Well, Brandon Hagel's got two years left after this year. I, I'm, I'm fully so. aware of it. I'm fully aware the contract plays into it. But if if we're talking two first-round picks, is the drop-off between that that guy and Tyler Mott that steep? I don't think so. I think you can at least ask for a high second, which is reportedly sure. what the Canucks are I think it's pretty for. steep. Hagel's got 21 goals this year. That's fair. <laughs> I didn't know he had that many goals. So, uh, yeah, he's, I mean, that's the thing. He's a better player than Mott. He's sure. absolutely a better player. And than I'll tell Mott. you what, this is like, man, th- this this type of addition is like really good for the for the Lightning, who now like add a player who is making like peanuts, one point five million dollar cap hit. Oh man! And you add him for this year and two more years after. I can see it being. I guess multiple firsts. That's that's a lot to give up. But I think for the Lightning, they're so worried about their cap space that they're willing to kind of add a player of that value for what he's going to bring. If he's adding, he won't add probably 25 goals in a Lightning roster. He's likely playing down the roster in Tampa Bay. But depth, man. It's all about depth. That's that the thing. Team, and right? that's a guy who can score, can prove that he can score. You add that to your third or fourth line. Wow. Yeah. It's <laughs> like that's, that's their Barkley. So yeah, Blake I, Coleman. Now that we, now that we kind of break it down. Cause yeah, this just happened. I, I could see it being multiple first. If, if that's what the lightning are in that category where they can give up multiple first. It's like, listen, are you getting a for sure NHL player with the 31st or 32nd pick in the draft? Not really. So yeah, it, it doesn't blow me away as much, but I do think that it, I don't know if this affects the Mott camp that much. The I Mott situation. Does. I think you can absolutely ask for a second round pick now. Like for sure, I, I understand. I think that's what they've been asking for the whole third time. Line player, but when we talk about Mott, we talk about either a play driving fourth liner or a guy who can play on a third line. But on Tampa, Mott's not on the third line. No, Mott's on the fourth line, but he's making that fourth line really good. Yeah, 
No, I think so. And I think I think there are other teams that are interested in him making your fourth line that much better. Yeah. So and there's I, a lot of teams that will be in on him. I do think that this, because again, if everything we're hearing is correct about how the Canucks are only trading Mott if they can get a second round pick and all that's been offered is a third or whatever we've been hearing, this definitely means that they're going to get a team offering What a are second. your thoughts though about, because listen, Tyler Mott brings a lot to the lineup, but how many wins does he affect throughout the rest of the season? Final 20 games. I don't think it matters. And, and I don't here's think the it thing, matters Chris, either. I'm with you. Yeah. I think this team needs to sell and compete at the same time. Like, I don't think trading Tyler Mott, like, again, trading JT Miller, absolutely I'm here for that argument that that's going to that's gonna blow up the locker room. They're like, what are we even playing for? This, team, this organization is trading our best, our leading scorer, our leader, one of our leaders, right? Like... I think that would make Bruce Boudreaux sadder than anybody else, right? Yep. And when you hear, have the head coach talking the way he does about this player, it, it, it's not going to happen. Like, he's not going to get traded, but I don't think it's nearly as drastic. Like, not even in the same stratosphere. And I get Tyler Mott's a great guy, does a lot for the city, uh, is a great in the locker room and all that sort of stuff. Tyler Mott, every organization would love to have the type of person. Yeah. Tyler and the Mott's type a of player. Great, great dude. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is this isn't about, like, oh, yeah, Mott should be traded because X, Y, and Z. It's more about, okay, because of where the Canucks are at in their developmental curve, and if they're not going to be able to get them extended, you know, you've got to move on, right? And if you can't get them extended at a fair number for the Canucks, that makes sense for them moving forward, you've got to move on. It's just the sad reality of the business, right? And how many times were we told, oh, this is a business, this is a business, when they let go of Toffoli, Markstrom, Tanev, and Stetcher, right? And look how much that affected the locker room and everything. Yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is when you look at the Tyler Mott situation, you need to move this player. If you can't extend them, it, it's just, it's not an option to have him walk to UFA. And I think the thing, Chris is like you bring up the wins for the rest of the season. I don't think it matters as much like that loss against Detroit. And I know I brought up the playoff odds of going down to 9%. In reality, the Canucks have about five or six more regulation losses to give. If they want to make the playoffs about five or six, give yeah. or take, right? They have five back-to-back still. You also have Halak is going to play in some of those. I don't anticipate Halak's getting moved, whether that's because of a lack of interest around the league or because he won't waive his NMC. This is up for debate. We've heard varying reports. Not going to say who they're from, that sort of thing. We're going to stay out of that, but Halak's probably not getting moved. That's the vibe I get. I got to step in here for the Tyler Mott situation because what I've heard is that both conversations were had Right, I think this changed from last weekend because conversations were had this week about Tyler Mott and the extension that Canucks wanted to do because he what he does want to stay, but he also wants to get paid a fair value for what he thinks he brings to a lineup. I, I think that both numbers were given from either side and they were far away. Yeah, I, I know what Tyler Mott's camp was looking for, and it, I don't know what the Canucks offered him, but I don't think the Canucks are going to be able Not to meet the same stratosphere. what Tyler Mott is expecting, especially if he's hitting free agency and the idea of him going to a contender, I would imagine that the camp of Tyler Mott is thinking that that like if they can get a trade to happen and it's not like the agents end up making the final call. It's still going to be management that makes the decision. But for Tyler Mott personally, if he goes on a team that goes on a deep playoff run, that does nothing but boost his, his value in free agency when he gets there. And especially if he has a really good playoffs, right? Even if he doesn't have a great playoffs, if he goes on a run with a team, it it is going to just boost his value or at least like, secure the value that his camp is expecting for him because Tyler Mott, they don't want, I don't think that the Tyler Mott's camp wants him in at less than 2.5 and the Canucks can't do that. No. Right. And I think if he goes on a playoff run, he gets that 
potentially in free agency from someone. Maybe it's like a four-year deal at 2.5, 2.6. I think he can very easily go out and get that in free agency. So I I want to throw it back to the question here. And, and you know what? This is going to be our poll question. So we'll touch on Tyler Maher a little bit more uh, in the second half of the show here. But we'll put up the poll and see what people see and react to it more. But a third-round pick for Tyler Mott, like I, I'm taking it. I'm taking it from a team. I, I know you want to get a second. But maybe a third and a sixth, a third and a fifth. If you can't I'm get them extended, that. I agree with you. Yeah, and I don't think they're going to... I don't. I think they're far away. I think you're going to get a second, though, based you, on this trade, this okay. trade that just broke. And I'll tell you what, if a second comes down, you basically take it. Like, if somebody does throw a second your way, you take it, because I think a third and a fifth is good. I think a third and a sixth is good. I, I even like the idea of another late-round pick being added to it. I like the idea of obviously picking in a top 60, potentially top 50, yeah. with a second-round pick, but... I also really like the idea of the Canucks and their their scouting staff doing a good job in Europe and being able to mine a guy out of the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Like, look at what they just did last year in the draft. Jonathan Myrenberg's trending up. Lucas Forcell is flying up the prospects rankings right now. I, I I like the idea of a late round pick and a third or a second. I like both. Like, I, and I think if either of those are on the table, you absolutely have to take it because there there are options in the AHL that you can bring up. It doesn't have to be Will Lockwood, and I don't think it's going to be Will Lockwood either. By the way, like everyone thinks that. Mott's just going to be when Mott gets moved out. It's Will Lockwood time. I don't think that's the way that Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin have operated in the past. They want Will Lockwood to like finish this year in the AHL. They want him to continue to be that penalty killer who is starting to gain trust from the coach. And I'll tell you, Will Lockwood the other night on Tuesday night, he was the best player on the ice. And Wednesday, he followed up with another really good performance. Doesn't get any like doesn't get much on the score sheet. I think just uh, a couple assists maybe in those two games, but. From a pure watch him disrupt play, he is looking so much better than he was at the start of the year. And he already looked good at the start of the year in the AHL. But now that he's like a top line winger, you just see the way that that Lockwood's able to get down on guys so quick. And he just absolutely disrupts everything. And that is exactly what you want to replace Tyler Mott. But I'm wondering if they want to just get him a, a base set next year coming into it as Will Lockwood being an NHL player starting in the 22-23 season. That's what I expect to see. I think they have some options, and there's a lot of injuries right now down in Abbotsford, but they still do have options like Sheldon Drys, Sheldon Rample. I think these guys can still get a chance. Even Nick Batan getting some time right now. I think it, I'm more in the camp than I was a few days ago that Tyler Mott is going to get traded. I, I don't want to say for sure, but I would imagine it's it's bumped up to like 70 to 80% that he is going to get traded. Cause I do think that they're far away in a, in a read, like in a contract extension. I don't think they were so aware how far away they were, but this past week I think has changed things. We'll cut to break on the other side. We'll get to our poll question and we're not done with the trade deadline talk because this is our last episode before the deadline. And, and by the way, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll talk about it Monday. We've decided we're going to record. We're going to record a trade deadline special of Canucks conversation, maybe we'll get Harmon in. See what he's up to on Monday. His rate's too high. His rate is too high. That damn Harmon dial. Yeah, well, he was supposed to do two shows a month. Now he's doing five. Anyways, maybe Harmon will be here on Monday. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see if he blesses us with his presence. Ugh. Regardless, we'll cut to break. On Monday, we will talk. We'll recap. Special episode. Deadline. Special episode of Canucks conversation. If there's trades or not, by the way, too. We're not going to. Yeah, it's not one of those recap. bonus ones. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So... Keep it locked, keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation.
And before we go any further into the episode, I want to give a shout out to Parallel 49 Brewing. You guys can find Parallel 49 Beer all across BC and Alberta. And right now we want to give a quick shout out to the Unparalleled Pack featuring four of the P49 favorites. The Trash Panda, the Filthy Dirty, the Jerkface 9000, and the Hillbilly Ninja. My favorite of the four there, the Jerkface 9000, the Pink Can. Something good about those cans there at Parallel 49. So go out and try them. You can find them in most liquor stores across BC and Alberta. And a massive thank you to all of our sponsors here at the Conversation Podcast. Speaking of which, Chris, you know what time it is. It is time for our poll question. We should get some poll question music. We've got a new Drance drop that we're going to get on the board pretty quick here. Oh, geez. From his hit on Donnie and Dolly. I also have my new favorite gift now. We'll be posting those shortly, folks. You'll have to wait. Maybe till the trade deadline. If the Cucks pull off a great trade, we'll uh, we'll use that new Drance drop. But our episode 247 poll question brought to you by Atlas Goods. Folks, go to atlasgds.com and use promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order. These are the best fresh pork rinds, and they come straight from your air fryer or microwave. They are fantastic. We've talked a lot about them. Again, same-day shipping. If you order before 3 p.m. and you're in the lower mainland, same day shipping. That is fantastic. I, I got to tell you, I got a message the other day. Someone was asking, oh, so what? how many should I buy? And they're saying, well, it's only a 450 uh, gram or whatever it is bag. It's a small bag. So am I going to polish these off in one serving? Oh. No, not a chance. First of all, that bag that you bought has an 18-month shelf life. They don't go stale like chips do because you got to cook them. And when you cook them, they expand like crazy. Like, I, I don't even know how. Probably, like, they they quadruple in size, at least. Oh, at least. Right? I, I put in, like, a good amount first in the air fryer. I open up the air fryer, I think it's stuffed to the brim. Well, yeah, because <laughs> that's I, the I thing. It, it says on the bag, it says fill one-eighth of a cup. So I was like, okay, like, one-eighth of a cup, that's not much. So I did it. And Tablespoon. I was, like, I was like, this is, like, nothing. Okay, I'm going to add more. And I added more, and it was too much. I was like, yep. holy cow, okay, I can't do this. Regardless, go check out atlasgds.com, local company based out of Surrey, folks. Uh, support them. They support us. We appreciate it. I had a tweet See- the other day from uh, Greg and Lad Wasson as well. He uh, sent in a tweet about the white cheddar seasoning as his favorite so far. Mm-hmm. CC15 is the promo code to get 15% off your first order. Our poll question today, what would you think if Tyler Mott was traded for a third-round pick? Chris, Happy for a top 100 pick, should be a second rounder. They should re-sign him. And as always, I'm angry. Chris, I voted should be a second rounder because since we went to break, (laughs) more details of that Brandon Bagel trade came out. And my goodness. The bagels are flying. Oh, the bagels. Don't say bagels. Bagels. I literally cannot hear the difference know, between the way someone, that I say it and you say it. I know. It's, it's but I've heard bagels. from other people. Yeah, too. other people uh, validated my opinion <sighs> on this. Okay, so we just found out that the full trade is now Taylor Radish, Boris Kachuk, and two first-round picks from the Tampa Bay Lightning to the Chicago Blackhawks for Brandon Bagel, who, like we said, is on a really good contract. Three years at 1.5. So it's clear what Tampa's doing, right? And the last time everybody said, oh, Tampa got fleeced, it was Barkley Goudreau. That turned out pretty good for them. Yeah, this is, you know, I tell you what, when you're in a cup window like this, this is the type of move that really helps. And to get two fourths back, like, man, this is, this is what the Lightning do, right? This is why the Lightning are the best damn organization in the NHL. Like, they're, they're run like this and they know when 
to make the right moves and when to to pull the trigger on things like this. All a sneaky little thing as well. That 2023 draft, which is looking like it's going to be amazing, like one of the best drafts we've seen in years. At least the hype going into it is they keep that pick as well. So they move on from from a 2022 and a 2024. Um, yeah, man. I I I don't think it affects the Mott deal though. I know you were kind of saying that really? going into break. I don't think this affects the Mott deal. I think it drives up the trade market what? as a whole. Maybe, maybe to that degree, I guess you might be right. I, I just think it drives the value of people that are players like Hagel or better. I think that I think it drives them up. Like li, JT so Miller, JT Miller, even that's higher. what I said. The, you you had a tweet about it, whatever you wrote. I don't know, but like whatever the value is now for JT Miller has to even grow even more <laughs> in the off season. Like, wow, what a what a trade like to see this much value go back for a player who's listen he's on the first power play unit in chicago he's on their second line like he is he isn't a tyler mott that's why i think players beneath the value of Hagel don't get a bump here and i, I don't think the trade market as a whole gets a bump but players above value like claude Giroux, i don't I, I think his deal might be so close to done that it doesn't yeah. even get affected that yeah. much but players with any term like i think it it is going to be different for 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 Brock Besser's trade, I think it's going to be different for JT Miller's trade value because like you're not just getting JT Miller for a playoff run if you get him in the offseason. So you get him for a full season. And obviously, you're going to get Hagel for two seasons after this year. So it's a little bit different, but I do think it it does drop like to see that that's a possibility. I think this helps the Canucks anyways in their trade when the, moving on from a bigger player, whether it be Garland, Besser, it, well, actually, you know what? We should talk about Connor Garland because I think that if you trade a guy with value, this affects Connor Garland's market too, because he's a player who's obviously locked in for five years, four after this one at under $5 million. He's got term. He's a player who's going to bring a lot to your group. He's a guy who's playing in a similar role. that Brandon Hangel is doesn't have the points that he has, but Garland's also not on the first power play unit here either. So I think that we should maybe get into the Garland talk a little bit here because we saw Elliot Friedman float the idea, not the idea, but say that like talks have picked up between the Vancouver Canucks and LA Kings, but a Connor Garland shift. And and I'm, I don't want to say I'm like completely split because I think if you get a really good deal for Connor Garland, you can move on from him, but trading him to a team that's coming up in your division. And the way that I think Connor Garland is going to end up playing in the playoffs is like he's not a big body, but he is the type of guy where if you play him seven games and 14 nights, you hate the living hell out of him because he is going to piss you off in those games in that series. He's not the type of player that you want to match up with in a playoff series, but it would have to be a huge deal from the LA Kings. And I think this haggle deal might even affect it a little bit to make it even bigger because I was already thinking if you are going to move Garland, it's got to be a haul back because he is he is the leading primary point producer at five on five for the Vancouver Canucks. He has 13 first assists at five on five this year. And he, to me, that like you don't you don't move the guy who's bringing so much at five on five. A lot of nights, like even a good example was the game against Detroit. Like I, I, I didn't think that there was it felt to me that just like so many Canucks were just like, eh, you know, like they were just there. They were doing regular play. But to me, Connor Garland was a guy who literally every line that we've seen him play on this year, he can help drive and he might not be the main driver, especially when he gets an opportunity to play with, you know, a Pedersen or Miller. That's when he starts to really shine, but he can play with really anyone. I think he's fit in with all the players that we've seen him play. How many lines have we talked about this year where we're like, this line just works so well. It happens to be one that Connor Garland's on. I think his value it has to be higher than just like what the market expects the value for Connor Garland to be. 
when you combine the contract, the type of player that he is and what he's able to do with his versatility on lines, I think his value has to be higher than what the market would expect from Connor Garland. Just looking at the stats. Yeah. And the thing with Garland, you brought up the impact that he has on a game by, you know, drawing penalties and that sort of thing. That game against Detroit on Thursday night, he drew both of those penalties, like both opportunities that Canucks had in the power play. He drew both of them. Didn't even get a shot to go out and win them that game because he doesn't play on the first power play unit, right? And I know he gets second power play unit time. I get all that. But, you know, I'm not trying to say Connor Garland's expendable, but I'm much more comfortable with trading Connor Garland than I am trading JT Miller if I'm the Canucks. Hmm. That's an interesting one. Because, and the reason I say that is because... I don't think I'm... I think I would rather trade JT Miller than Connor Garland. I think... And it's not because of the player. I think bringing more to your team is JT Miller, but I don't think that it's from the difference in what the return would be for Garland to Miller. The difference on their on ice play. Isn't that big to me as much as it is to what the trade value would be coming back. You know what? Now that you kind of say it a little more like you're right. Cause Garland's here for four more years after this one. Yes. Right. He's younger. Does give you pretty good production. I don't know if he can be that same play driver as JT Miller though. I know no, he's, been, I know, he's I know. done great he at even can't. strength. He can't. Yeah. Yeah, and like he doesn't kill penalties. I I think JT Miller does bring a lot to the team that you just aren't going to be able to replace. And I know internally that's what the Canucks feel is that JT Miller is just an irreplaceable player. Like you're not going to find another JT Miller no matter what the return is. Here's what I wouldn't worry about though. I I think strictly the Canucks, one of the things that they've really needed is just five on five scoring, right? They've needed that for a while. And I don't think the five on five scoring is that different between JT Miller and Connor Garland. No, I agree with you. And I think driving play... On a night-to-night, shift-to-shift basis, Connor Garland does drive play at a very high rate. You know, he can't, he doesn't make the plays like JT Miller does, and obviously he's not as good on the power play. But the thing that I would like about Connor Garland getting chance on the power play is that he creates movement. He forces your other players to move because he likes to move so much. So, yeah, I think, I think I would still like if you're just if you're looking at really big picture, you're not just talking about value on the ice and what they bring every night. I would still rather move JT Miller. I think you're right. Just because of the return has to be massive. Like yeah, the return exactly. Would be massive. Exactly. I think that's that's the main point. And I don't think like, the return would be that massive for Connor Garland. I think what I was seeing, like what I'm seeing more is just one. I think it's more realistic that they trade Connor Garland than JT Miller. I think that's just more realistic. And I think when it comes to shifting up a locker room, and we just talked about the importance of that and that sort of thing, I think. Losing Connor Garland, I'm not saying Connor Garland's not liked in the locker room, but just being a newer guy, you know, you don't really hear much about Connor Garland being a leader in the room, even though I'm sure he is and all that sort of stuff, whatever. Well, every guy says they love him in the room. Exactly. He's he's well liked. That's yeah. not what I'm trying to say. What I am trying to say, though, is I feel like the impact that JT Miller has on and off the ice is one you just don't want to lose. Sure, but and the, the impact that he's going to have on your on your team construction, making eight plus million dollars at least. Yeah. I don't think the Canucks can do it. Like, I, I don't think it, it's definitely a murky situation. Like it, it there's a lot to consider. And I, sure. I, the more we talk about it, the more I'm leaning toward what you're saying that if you have to move one. Yeah, I think I think it is JT Miller now that we kind of talk about it a little more. But if we're talking in reality here and what the Canucks are actually going to do. I think it's going to be Connor Garland that gets moved. If, I just, any, I disagree. if any of the big three get moved between Brock Besser, JT Miller, and Connor Garland, if any are getting moved at this deadline, it's Connor Garland. 
Oh, at this deadline. Yeah, but okay. also in the offseason, I think you're, the door opens up a little more for Besser and Miller, but I still think Connor Garland's one of the ones that I think this management regime kind of looks at and says, you know what, we didn't trade for this player, and I, I, I know for almost a fact that Jim Rutherford came to Vancouver, saw a lot of issues, obviously, which he shared, but one of them was, why the heck did we take Oliver Ekman, Larson, and Connor Garland? Like, why did we do that and trade a first-round pick for it? Yeah, I think Jim Rutherford looked at that trade when he got here and said, what the hell was this last management regime doing? Which I'm sure he said to a lot of moves that they did, but I don't think... Um, and, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure, but I have heard that Jim Rutherford really doesn't like that that deal that was made. Doesn't Not that he doesn't like the players, just doesn't like the deal that was made. Here's the thing with the Garland deal is, like, I don't like... Because of Garland's contract, I don't like the idea of draft picks being the main return. Okay? Like, if you're going to trade Garland, it's got to be to how you can more reconstruct your roster. It's got to... If it's LA, it's got to include a big-name right defense. And I think that's why there's a fit there, and that's why we're hearing LA so much. LA's interested in Garland, like you said, but also... You go. You're gonna. You have a lot on this. LA's right defense depth. Well, that's the thing. Like it's they got Drew Doughty there. They obviously they have so many prospects. Like outside the NHL, they got Helga Grands. They got Brant Clark, Jordan Spence, Sean Dersey, Brock Faber. From what I know on that depth chart is like, hey, Doughty's gonna be there. He might not even be the number one three years from now. That might end up being a Brant Clark. I don't think they want to move on from Sean Dersey or Brant Clark. Those are the two that they want to keep. Jordan Spence, a little bit of a smaller right D at five foot ten. He is having a great year in the AHL. I wouldn't put him in the category of these other two, but Brock Faber and Helga Grands are the guys. Like Brock Faber is six foot, went to the Olympics. Helga Grands six foot three. That needs to be part of it, but still, that's even one of those guys who's a highly regarded right D prospect. And I'll tell you, Brock Faber moves the puck so well. He is the guy that I'd like to see play with Quinn Hughes down the road. Like if you are able to get that guy out of out of LA, I'd love to see him get the opportunity to play with Quinn Hughes. Cause I think he would even become better. We talked about this on last week's show, like about actually making Quinn Hughes better with another puck mover, how much a really good puck mover would be improving Quinn Hughes's ability to be able to move the puck himself and have a better option to pass to. So you have to have it. I don't even say the trade has to be like centered around one of those right D but you need, to, you need to get one for sure. You absolutely need to get one for sure. Then there has to be the draft picks coming into it. Then you have to look, I think, at Erasmus Kapari potentially being the guy. We saw that Dollywall tweeted out today, Alex Turcott. Listen, if Alex Turcott comes into the deal, I'm very open to hearing what the return would be and how this deal works out with Connor Ron. Because I think Turcott's going to be you know, a center that's going to help you down the road, potentially even move into a spot where you can have him as like your second line center. This guy's got all the talent in the world. Former guest, I believe, on the show as well, Alex yep, Turcott. We've had Alex Turcott on the um, show. Excellent. Excellent prospect, one of top tier prospects. And that's the thing about LA is like LA makes so much sense to me in like a Miller deal, a Garland deal, a Bester deal, whoever they want to add to the team to make them better now. They have so much depth at all positions that are important. LA has just done an excellent job drafting. Like they've they've lucked out pretty hard. And you know, being able to 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 get second and be able to pick uh Quinton Byfield's huge, but also just being able to add really like when you have those high end picks, top 15 picks so often, you need to get right D's. You need to get 
centers. You need to get these things that people actually want to trade for. Because now the Canucks, all the Warriors that they're talking about being traded, like JT Miller's been a good center this year, and I don't know what his future is at center. Like if he is a center moving forward, there's a lot of value, of course. But is is he? Like is he a center on a team that has you know, you know like deep center depth? Like I don't know if he if he's a center that long down in in LA because they have so many exciting centers that they want to move up in the lineup two years from now. Maybe Miller isn't a center there. Maybe he's a winger. So the Canucks are trading these players that the positions aren't as valuable as center and right D. So like LA has just done such an excellent job and now they have this massive pool to be able to pull off a move. I can, I agree with your point of like the three players that we talked about in Besser Garland and Miller at this deadline. The number one guy that I think could be moved is, is going to be Connor Garland, but I think you go into the off season and Garland's like number three on that list for me after that. Like I I would go Brock Besser number one to be the guy you want to trade. JT Miller number two because if you can get the value, you got it you should make the trade. And then with Connor Garland, like I I just think the contract value is good. I think he's gonna play above a five million dollar value throughout this contract. And just as we wrap up the trade deadline conversation, because Monday we'll have our big show, right? But I just want to talk about kind of the process. And this kind of goes back to the conversations that you and I had when Jim Benning was still the GM of this team and how much you and I stressed that you can't be making decisions. And at the time, we were talking about decisions based on firing a coach, firing a GM, cleaning house. You can't be making decisions based on that, based on game-to-game results, right? Like, you can't do that each game. Like, there was talk, and honestly... If the Canucks win that game against Pittsburgh, right? You remember the game, December 4th, whatever it was. Yep. If they win that game, does Jim Benning get fired? And Bruce Boudreaux come in at that time? And does Travis Green get fired? Because I'm not so sure. It reached a boiling point. And it's a similar concept when you talk about right now how this team kind of views themselves at the trade deadline. Before, when everybody got here, it was clear that they were going to be sellers. Jim Rutherford was licking his chops to sell off assets of this team and bring in some good young players. Talked about it as much as he could on Sportsnet 650 and every appearance he did, he was talking about it, right? So the thing is, when you look at this team now, it can't be going into this weekend that, okay, if they win these games, they should not sell at the deadline. They need to still sell at the deadline. I don't care if it's Connor Garland that moves. I Again, I'm not even convinced that they should trade Connor Garland, but you need to get something out of this deadline, and it can't just be a third or a second round pick or whatever it is uh, what for Tyler I, I don't know what you're talking I don't agree with that at all. You don't agree that this team should sell even if they win on the weekend? No, what I'm saying is they don't need to get value here at the deadline. They they should they should trade Tyler Mott, but they don't need to trade one of Garland, Besser, or Miller at the deadline. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. 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 I, I'll I'll concede to that. Sure. I'm with you there. I'm with you. They don't need to. They do, however, need to not let some success this weekend completely sure. alter their deadline plans. They can't be on a trade call with LA as we record this podcast and say, "Well, hang on a sec. We want to see how we do against Calgary Flames with their backup in net and the Buffalo Sabers with 41 year old Craig Anderson in net." Okay? Yeah, that's your guy, though. He is my guy. But still, he's 41. You can't base your results and your process based on these two games, right? And again, this is what Drance was just saying this much more passionately than I am. But he was just saying this on Donnie and Dolly. Like, 
it's it's a similar concept to what you and I were talking about, how this this ownership group and this organization evaluates their hockey club, right? It can't be based on game by game results. It just can't. Like, I don't think it is either, though. Well, yeah, it is. I, I don't I think absolutely it is. think it is. If they win these games, I I think it changes things a little. I think it does to this organization. It does. It shouldn't, but it does. I think when you bring in a guy like Jim Rutherford to be your president, outside noise doesn't affect the way he makes decisions. I think when you have a smart enough guy like Jim Rutherford and who has enough pull and power now in this organization, this is what this is what we talked about a president does to an organization. We talked about this all the time uh, under the Jim Benning regime, how a president changes the way that thought process goes through an organization. I don't think this weekend changes anything for Jim Rutherford's mind. Mm, I disagree. I think we've heard a lot um, about how there's no playoff revenue coming in for the past couple of years. just limited revenue for the past couple of years and how a playoff revenue, like, do you know how much they make on playoff? They don't have to pay the players during the playoffs. You understand that, right? Yeah. So, and sorry, I, that sounded like I was talking down to you. That's no, not no, what no. I was trying to do, but it's a lot of revenue for an organization that hasn't had a lot this year. You can bet like, again, not reporting anything, but you can bet that this ownership group is looking at the standings and saying to Jim Rutherford, not saying Jim, you have to do this. You know, they, I'm going to take Francesco Aquilini on his word that he's not going to get involved. Like he said at that press conference, right? When it was him and Rutherford coaches, coach management's managed president's president. Fair enough. I, I'm gonna let's let's take Aquilini at his word for that, okay? Like, let's say this ownership group doesn't meddle, right? Because that's that's a that's a word that's thrown around a lot. Let's mm. say they don't meddle, but they do say to Jim Rutherford because they do meet, they talk almost every day. They say, "Hey, this team's kind of right there. Do you think we could make a push and maybe no. only sell Mott?" I don't think at all. I and think I, absolutely that's happening. I don't think so. I, I, I think, think so. If the Canucks were say in a wild card spot. And a team was in a position like the Canucks where they need to win, what, like 14 of their last 20 games? Yep. If the Canucks are, are on, like, the shoes on the other foot and they're maybe in a spot like Vegas was, and they're in, like, third place in the Pacific, then yeah. But they're, we're seeing so quick. Like, what, the Canucks are 6-3-1 and one in their last 10? Yeah. Good record. 6-3-1, you go through a whole season at 6-3-1, and one, playoff team 100%. But they're not gaining any ground going 6-3-1. and one. You know, yeah. Vegas lost five in a row and they didn't even gain that much crown on Vegas. Like Vegas is still now getting back to some wins here and being able to pull away again. again. And you look at the other teams that are like playing right. Everybody's playing good. Like Edmonton, looked at the Dallas, other night. Yep. Not getting any last help. night against or Thursday night against Detroit. The Canucks lose that game where they needed everybody else wins. That's around them. This it is so hard to gain these points. And there's a quarter of the season left. Like the Canucks have time. I, I think the Canucks have more time than people see in like the darkest light of this team where it's like this is such a huge uphill battle it's an uphill battle but there's still a quarter of the season left you can gain ground in a quarter of the season but the Canucks have five back-to-backs a quarter of their games in this last quarter of the season are back-to-backs those are tough games to win when you have a backup goaltender that you haven't been able to trust his last few starts and and honestly just like not showing up in a game like against Detroit that worries me about the five back-to-backs as well, that they might not show up in some of those games as well. Like, you need a miraculous run to get into the playoffs, and I don't think that... I think smart management groups, start like smart presidents, they don't let... I don't think the two games are going to change their thoughts, and I think that having a guy whose prestige is so high, like 10th prestige from Call of Duty Modern Warfare, 
and Joe and Jim Rutherford. He's not, he doesn't like, he obviously has to value what the owner says, but nothing is going to change Jim Rutherford's thought process there. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim. Okay. Nothing from this weekend changes what he said, what he's thinking. If there's a deal that makes his team better to win a Stanley cup, that's the deal he makes. He doesn't make it. Doesn't not make a deal because there's a better chance of sneaking into the playoffs or does, does it, he it doesn't say, happen. Does he say, okay, well, will you make that deal in the off season? If LA comes knocking with a Connor Garland trade, does he instead say, well, we're just on the cup. So we would cusp, not the cup. We're on the cusp. We don't want to make that deal right now. Is that something he says? Because I think that's a very, very great possibility. Sure, but I think you watch the spot that LA is in right now, and they see what Calgary is doing ahead of them. LA is like, you know, really impressing everyone this year. And, and, when and that's why that they point, would want Connor Garland for a playoff push. Exactly. If they're gonna, and that's what I'm saying, Chris. Is if they come knocking with a Connor Garland deal, I'm not so sure the Canucks are as inclined to make that deal at the deadline. If they win these two games on the weekend, and I think that's a flawed process. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and I don't believe that. I don't believe this new manager. You don't think that'll be the case? Okay, that's fair. That's completely fair. Yeah, I don't think... I think they win two games here, and an offer comes down for Connor Garland where you see the return, and you're thinking, wow, that is a good return for Connor Garland. They don't say no to that. I, I hope you're right. Yeah, they don't say no to that. They don't say no to making the team get the roster player that helps you already to return and and build into this team's future like Rasmus Kapari is a guy I keep bringing up the right shot center. If that guy's in the deal, they got the right D prospect in the deal. They got the draft picks that make, make this deal make sense. They don't say no to that deal. And even if they win the two games on the weekend here and they're like now back in the, in the wild card, like they're still in the race, but that's, that's not, it's irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think the man, I think this management group's different, man. I, I don't think they make the same decisions here. I think they're, I have all the confidence in the world in this management group making the decision for not sneaking into the playoffs, not trading for Oliver Ekman Larson because yeah. he helps you this year and next year and you go all in. The Canucks can't go all in anymore. They need to start building up their chips. And if Garland makes sense and the deal gets, you know, a haul back for him, which man, like we've already seen some trades have huge hauls back at this deadline because a lot of teams are in spots where you mentioned like ownerships. They want that money. Like the LA Kings want to make a ton of money here in the playoffs and go on a longer run. They want to get out of the first round. They want to battle Calgary in the second round. They want to be able to, you know, push for a Western conference championship and maybe get to, you know, battle against Colorado. And right now they probably don't think they have the horses to beat Colorado. So I do think the teams will come knocking and I think that it's a possibility, but I don't, this, this management group, I just have, you know, maybe it's just from like, from what they've done in their past, I do believe that there is now a look for the Canucks to win a Stanley Cup instead of make the playoffs. Yeah. The way it should have been all along. You should be trying to win a Stanley Cup, yeah. not make the playoffs. Absolutely. You need to try and win a Stanley Cup. And you set yourself up for that. That's what I think this group has done, especially because they've won Stanley Cups. When you've won Stanley Cups, you get it. And that's the messaging we've heard, right? From Emily Gay, from Jim Rutherford. So like you said, like, you know, it's great that they say all that. I will believe it when I see it. I would love to see it, and I am excited to see what they do with this deadline. It'll be really interesting, Chris. It'll be really interesting to see kind of what they do. Before we close out... Prospects? We're going prospects Prospects here? report. Go ahead. Well, you got your guy right off the bat. I'll let you start. Well, Archer Seelovs. That's the big name right now, right? Archer Seelovs gets sent down to the ECHL, and Chris, Archer Seelovs hasn't played a full game since January. 
That goaltending situation out in Abbotsford was starting to look a little bit too much like last season and how the Canucks mismanaged Mikey DiPietro and Archer Silovs. We saw the effect that it had on Mike. I think the Canucks really just wanted to avoid that with Archers. They wanted to avoid not ruining, but they wanted to avoid just completely losing two of their top goaltending prospects development years just like that. They don't want to do that this year. And I think the bigger question is, what does this mean for a Yarohalak trade? I think when I look at this, I say that Yarohalak's here. Yarohalak is here for the long run. And I also think Abbotsford has a loaded schedule to close out the season. And I think they're thinking we might actually need three goalies and we need archers to actually be ready for this game. So I think that's why we're going to see Archer Steelers get some game action in the ECHL and then maybe come back, play with the Abbotsford Canucks to close out the year. Yeah, because I'm still in the camp that we are going to see Spencer Martin in the NHL some point this year. Yeah. Later on in the year. You, um, you absolutely have to. You, just, you can't go into next year with more yeah. uncertainty. It's just that would be a flaw in this organization. Yeah. Halak trade or not, you are going to see Spencer Martin. And yeah. I, I think it's good for, for Seahawks to get some. It's really good because, yeah, you know, I've seen people make the edit on a picture of where's Waldo and, and putting Archer Seahawks face on top because people are wondering where he is and not backing up any games, like still getting time with Curtis Sanford, which is obviously good. But the guy's done that two years in a row uh, of not playing all the game. And, and you know what? He got a good run of games like he did. And then Spencer Martin took over. He was excellent and he's still been excellent. Mike DiPietro has really found his groove of late and there just isn't, there isn't starts for, for Archer Silas. Like I was wondering if maybe there was an injury, like why is he not getting any starts? Um, and it, to get him down to the ECHL is good to get some games in for him. I just, man, <laughs> what it's been a really tough road for this kid this year, right? away from his family he's 20 years old and now he's down to the echl with a brand new team i just mentally i think it's got to be pretty tough on the young goaltender for what he's had to go through this year so i hope that this is i hope that they're good to him down there in the echl and it's obviously good for him to get starts but i just think that just mentally i think it would be just from like a person-to-person perspective i bet it's been pretty tough on sealovs this year uh, so hopefully it's uh hopefully it's a decent run for him down in the echl who else? I got a whole list. Just name the names. I'll tell you the updates here. Yeah. Keep keep us going, Chris. Aiden McDonough. Start there. Aiden McDonough uh, playing against UConn tonight. Big game. Four o'clock. It'll be, uh, as we're recording this, actually, it'll be about 30 minutes away from puck drop there. And by the way, we're, we're releasing this episode tonight, right? Friday night? Yep. Okay, Friday night, just so we can be ready Friday for an emergency. Friday afternoon. Because we don't want yeah. a trade to happen. Like We're going to break our Saturday rule, but we'll get it out. Yeah, quick. we don't break the Saturday rule often, but we got the episode on Monday. If anything really comes down, probably an emergency show coming as well, yep. uh, as well as we'll be on the radio tomorrow before the game. Um, but Aiden McDonough's game, uh, so I'll have an update on that on Twitter. Obviously, what happens with him, just still in the camp where I don't know if he's... I don't think he has made the full decision yet, but I think it would be... Interesting to note that I do think he is going to go back to Northeastern next year. year. Yeah. Even though I see Northeastern ads down there at uh, Rogers Arena. You seen those? They got nope. them on the boards. They got them up on the Jumbotron. Didn't see it. Northeastern. They're doing everything they can to get this guy here. Uh, quick little news note before we get into anything. This is prospects related. World Junior, is, World Junior News. Edmonton will host the entire World Junior Hockey Championship in August. Edmonton will be the host. Hmm. I thought that was already confirmed. Yeah, just I think like for sure confirmed now. Darren Jager's cool. got it. Uh, next name. Go. I got Nielsen. a whole list here. Nielsen Klimovich for sell. Well, Tristan Nielsen, yeah, puts up a hat trick on Wednesday night. Looks excellent. Got some opportunity on PP1 in Abbotsford. Well, I'll tell you, the Canucks, these two guys, they sign out of the WHL. And, and I'm hoping for similar things with Archie Baines moving into the future here. But 
Tristan Nielsen's really worked his way in a similar way to Chase Waters. They've both come in and had a great trajectory in the AHL. Didn't know what they were going to bring right off the bat. Waters, I think, is really like... I was thinking about this the other day. You know what, Quads? Chase Waters is in my top 10 Canucks prospects now. Really? Yeah. He's, That's very interesting. He's near the end of the list because I think that there is... There's a lot to like about the game that he plays, but Tristan Nielsen absolutely flies. He's a smaller guy, but you know, he's thick. Like he's, you know, even chatting with him yesterday, I was like, like he's a, he is a big body for how, for the, the height that he has. And he's able to throw the body around, got the hat trick on Wednesday, which was excellent. And this is all about opportunity. He's been a guy who's been a fourth line player. He's had healthy scratches, dealt with an injury earlier on in the year. And now he's getting a chance to play in the top six because of all the injuries out there in Abbotsford with, you know, Justin Bailey, Phil DiGiuseppe, uh, Justin Dowling, these names that, that their guys are kind of out of the lineup right now, as well as, you know, Nick Patan being up with the NHL team, giving an opportunity for Tristan Nielsen to get top six minutes. And he has absolutely seized it. He's got four goals in his last three games, including the hat trick, like I mentioned on Wednesday, getting some time on the PK and time on the first power play unit. So all in all, really good week. The best week of his pro career for Tristan Nielsen. Yeah, absolutely. And Klimovich, that's the other name you got here. Yeah, Klimovich, uh starting to look, man, like I, I, just, I looked at his shooting percentage the other day, like 6%. Okay, this is a guy who's got a good shot. There's a lot of things he needs to work on consistency-wise. Like he, he does lack the ability to always have the puck on his stick when he's making these moves and taking shots. A lot of times he just literally like the definition of fans on a shot where he just misses the puck uh, on, a, on a shot attempt. And there's things that he needs to work on. But also, man, the guy is getting unlucky. Like there was it feels like multiple games he's like he's hitting posts or he's shooting a puck that just like slides just through the goaltender and then us on the other side of the post doesn't go in the back of the net. Like I think that it's going to be an exciting year when he finds a little more consistency and also gets a little bit of luck on his way because his shot isn't a 6% conversion shot. It's a shot that should be in at least nine to like 14% when he's running hot. So he hasn't had that hot stretch since kind of the first two games of the year where Pucks just happen to go in the back of the net. He hasn't had that yet, uh, aside from, like I said, the first two games of the year. So it's reflected in him. And I think it's leaning on him a little bit. You can see how excited he was when he scored that empty net goal just to like break the break the the non-goalless streak. And then he scored the next game as well. So like he he needs to get a little bit of luck and he's just not getting out there. I'm not worried about it. Because I, I do think that it's just kind of like a bad luck streak for him throughout the season. He's doing a lot of things right. There's still a lot of things he needs to work on. Uh, a lot of things he needs to work on before he gets to the NHL. He is not a consistent defender. He At times, you can see the effort level isn't that great. Some of the changes you worry about. But these are all things that need to be coached into him. right? And I think learning the English language and starting to get more comfortable with the coaching staff out there. That's going to do wonders. It's he hasn't blown us away, but I've have been impressed all in all with Klimovich. It'll be nice when you see like a good luck stretch, and it would be really cool if that ended up happening in the playoffs for them. Like maybe that's the time you get Klimovich hot on the second power play unit on your third line, like adding some offense. You know that would be a really positive note on a season that has been positive, but just not like to the level where like things could just things could be better. Like things could be a lot better for Klimovich, and I take that as a positive in the end because it's. It hasn't been bad. Like there's a lot of really promising things from him, but that's kind of all that it's at right now. It's just promising. Like nothing's being converted on like the level you'd like to see, but that's exciting. I think moving forward, I think they got something in Klimovich here. Close this out with a little Lucas Forsell talk, Chris. My favorite prospect tweet updates about Lucas Forsell. 
Yeah, just like I don't I don't know what the hell's going on over there in the SHL. Some nights he's on the first line, some nights he's the 13th forward, some nights they send him down to the J20 league. I hope that there's like a real consistent spot for him next year in a similar way to Niels Hoglander had. Like I, I see the projection of SHL time, SHL success. I hope that it's in a similar path that it was for Niels Huglander, where Niels Huglander didn't get a lot of minutes in his first year in the SHL at the same age of Forcell. Second year gets a bigger opportunity to play on a third line. And then his final year that he played the half year and came over here to the NHL, he was playing like a top six player getting power play time. I, that's the trajectory that I hope for Lucas Forcell as well, who's got two more years. So it's basically like everything is set up for Forzell to be that type of player who gets the opportunity to to kind of be a regular next year in the SHL. And then the year after is like, okay, show us that you're ready to come to North America. Like everything's setting up really good for this kid. Uh, and I, I hope that like we can see him in some sort of like prospects, whatever, if it's in Whistler, showcase, Kelowna, yeah. some yeah. sort of showcase. It'd and, be really cool to see him skate with other prospects because you see him at the SHL level. And at times he has really good shifts. Um, and like, it, it just makes you think like, wow, this kid has top six potential. But the thing that I love the most about force L is how consistent his motor is running at such a high level. Like even when he's in the J 20 league on that team, that was really bad to start the year, really starting to improve. He is always giving such a high effort. That's what I've loved about the players that the Canucks have drafted over the past couple of years and their late round picks is like, you watch the tape on them and you are always impressed by the effort. And with Forcell, he has some skill to go with that effort. It still surprised me that he was like, I, I get that he was a seventh round pick, but like I've said it a lot. He he feels like a top 75 pick in this next draft from what he's done this year. If he was 10 days older. That's what I always younger, say. 10 days That's what younger. I always say about him. And the other thing that I want to throw in there, Jim Rutherford has said that he wants to get some sort of prospect thing going again. They got to do it, man. Whether that means going back to Penticton for the young stars, whatever it is, they're going to they're gonna do something. You know what I like? Banff. Give me Banff. Okay. I've never been, but I've heard really good things about Banff. Is that why you want them to go to Banff so that you can just go? Well, and then, you know, maybe you get the Alberta teams more interested. You're like, now that you have four teams in the Northwest here, you got Seattle, they'd be sending their prospects, Vancouver, and then the two Alberta teams. You know, Kelowna makes sense. Kamloops maybe makes sense. Sure. Like, there, there are a lot of options that are kind of in the middle of everyone, and I know they happen to be in BC, but Banff is the other option. That's the Alberta option, I guess, too. So, like, I don't know. What other way? I'm down for like, I think, I don't think it's like, well, maybe like, I think it is necessary. Like you need to do this. This is, this is something that all NHL teams should be able to accomplish. And the Canucks need to have some sort of prospect evaluation because I look at teams like Boston and the Rangers and these teams do these developmental camps, these prospect camps, and they invite like all of these NCAA players. And then why do these teams like the Rangers and Bruins always get to sign these top NCAA free agents it's because like they have relationships with all of them already it's not like I, I don't know the exact rule of like how like they can't negotiate with them while they're playing obviously but if you go to say three developmental camps with the rangers i'm gonna guess that when you when it comes that time to sign as a college free agent the rangers are likely one of the teams that you're seriously considering so that's another option for the canucks too i think you can bring some some bchl guys that are getting a chance to go play uh, in the NCAA that you might want to keep an eye on down the road, like, and then get that happening for the Canucks prospect system. Have the same guy who played in the BCHL, who's a right shot defenseman at six foot three, you know, like Jake Livingstone. Let's, let's use him as an example. 
if the Canucks had these prospect camps in the past few years and were able to do this and get the right players in, Livingstone should have been at that camp, like, you know, at least just kind of showcasing himself. Jared Lucas Savages, who now plays for the Vancouver Canucks now, because the Canucks did all those prospect camps and brought Lucas Savages in, now he's with the organization and he's bringing value to the AHL team. Uh, yeah, I think it, it's an absolute win-win to get these prospects camps back on track because it's you can't lose for doing these. I agree. You lose not doing them. All right, folks, there you have it. That is our trade deadline primer show. We're going to have a show for you on Monday. We're putting Speaking this out of Friday. primer, okay, last last thing, not not a hockey-related thing. You're talking paint? No, my teeth is what we're talking. It just it brought, brought up the idea. So I've been trying to get, uh, I want to whiten my teeth a little bit better, right? I want to get them, you know, nice and bright. Ever, you know, and maybe because you and I we're going to be doing videos and, and uh, down the road and all this stuff. I want to have some, I want to have some as white as teeth as possible. So I got this new toothpaste. Well, I got a new like toothbrush for Christmas. Just broke it out because it's like I liked my old one, but this new one buzzes like crazy. But I'm trying this charcoal toothpaste. You ever, you ever seen this? I've seen it. Yep. What are your thoughts? Because it is like you put it on and you look at yourself in the mirror and your whole teeth are all black. I've never used it. It's wild, man. I I don't, it, but it feels like it works. Like I, I brushed before I came here today, and like you look at yourself in the mirror, and you're like, "How is this making my teeth white?" It's literally like black all over my teeth. It throws me off. It throws me off their loop. But apparently, this charcoal. I I don't know. Charcoal for your teeth is apparently a good thing. You got no comment, eh? I've never used it. You know what I did use is one of those like high bright things, and that right. worked. You put okay. the little. You put a little paste on your front, like, six teeth or whatever, and then you put the... It's like a mouth guard in, and it shines like UV light or something. I've seen those, yeah. That worked for me. That worked really well. It's just expensive. That's like a little last-minute thing that you want to... You know, I want to get the teeth teeth straightened out here. It worked really well, man. Yeah. worked really well. All right. We'll close it out there. We'll talk to you on Monday, folks. For my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?